You're listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings. And here we go with episode 79 of the So Much Pingle Herpetology Podcast, and I hope you all remain safe and healthy out there. Well, it feels really good to be back in the studio after an extra long absence, and uh, really good, but uh, also a little strange. I've been traveling more than I have been home this year, uh, so it's good to be home for a while, and I have a lot of stuff to catch up on, including this show. So it was my good fortune to spend a couple of weeks in Madagascar, and I just returned home about a week ago. Uh, Man, that trip was a lot of fun, and I saw a lot of cool herbs there. I took almost 3,000 pictures, and so I can't wait to start going through all of them, maybe next week. Uh, I also managed to see six species of lemur, including the uh, iconic ringtail lemur uh, and the endry as well. Uh, But I think my favorites were the little mouse lemurs, which we saw on uh, many occasions in the forest at night while looking for frogs and sleeping chameleons. Very cool. Uh, A great trip, and I am still processing what happened and what I saw. Now, before we get to this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to the show's newest patron, Sherry Monk. Thank you so much, Sherry. And I want to add, it was great fun hanging out with you in Peru recently. And as always, I want to thank all of the show's patrons who keep the show moving forward. It does take time and treasure to operate an entertainment channel, and I'm grateful for everyone's support. And if you're out there listening and you would like to kick in a few bucks to help out, it's easy to do, and I'll tell you all about it at the end of the show. Our guests this week are Dick Locke and Lika Fevward, who operate Herping Suriname Tours and the wildlife tour called Unlock Nature, which is also in Suriname. Uh, Dick and Lika came down to Peru on one of our expeditions, and so I got to spend some time getting to know them, and uh, it was a real pleasure to interview them about what they are up to in Suriname, which is a place I really want to visit someday. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And once again, I am speaking to you from the back of a tambo here at the uh, Santa Cruz Field Station down in the Peruvian Rainforest. You all know the drill by now. These uh, these are great places for me to hold conversations with uh some of the guests that come down on our tours. And with me today are Dick and Lika. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. Welcome. And uh, so, t- first of all, t- uh, tell me a little bit about, give, give me your, your full names and tell me a little bit about where, you, where you're from originally and, and so on and so forth. Well, my name is, uh, is Dick Luck. And uh, I was originally uh, born in the Netherlands. And I went to Suriname, a country that not a lot of people know about. So it's the the top northwest, uh, northeastern corner of uh, of South America in the Guyana Shield. In 2011, I came for the first time to Suriname. So that was a long time ago. I was a 18 year old boy uh, back then, and I did an internship. And somehow I came back every now and then uh, for internships, for research, for holiday. And um, in 2017, I started living there. So uh, yeah, now uh, some years further and uh, a lot, a lot of progress. Okay, how about you, Lika? 
Well, I came to Suriname in 2015. Um, I worked for a big international company and they want to start in Suriname. So I did that, but after six years, I want to do more nature and I met Dick. Went on an expedition and then we started our own company. Okay, okay. And that's, as they say, that's it. The rest of it is history, right? Kind of. Well, now it's starting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you both consider yourselves, um, uh, how do you, how would you say it? Um, res uh, are you residents of Suriname or citizens of the country now? Or I'm resident and you're a citizen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're in Suriname to stay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, you have a, uh, I want to, I want to call it a, a wildlife tour company. Is that the best way to describe your what you do there? Or it's not strictly a herping company, is it? No, a herp no, tour it's, company. It's it's kind of diverse. So at first, when I when I came to Suriname and I want to work in tourism, um, my passion is already reptiles and, amphib and amphibians. So to be working in tourism, there was like this double feeling. I don't want to pick away any clients from. The local community but there was no herping once at all in Suriname nobody did that no specialities in it no guides that were specialized in it so that was like a niche market that was open for me and it was my passion so it was the best way to actually start working there so in the beginning I worked as a freelance for multiple organizations and on the side I was kind of the specialist to do the herping tours and eventually started uh, herping Suriname and that's where the tours and everything started with but then you get a lot of requests from people that are like, hey, but I want to see the kinds of monkeys as well. And I want to see manatees and I want to see cats and uh, I want to go to the interior and back to basic. So, and that's also something that I like. So eventually started up Unlock Nature, uh, which is a, a company that provides the like wildlife and adventure tourism. So you have two companies then? Yeah, basically. Yeah. And we also have a, a foundation next to that, uh, Snake Patrol where we uh, take snakes from people's houses and release them back into the wild. Okay, so you have Herping Suriname is your first uh, uh, venture. And then you have, what was the other one? Analog? Unlock Nature. Unlock, yeah. okay, Unlock Nature, okay. Yeah. So my name is Dig Lock and uh, I can unlock nature, let's say it like that. <laughs> Very good, very good. Uh, I've already appreciated your sense of humor already. So much bingle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, very good. And then you have your uh, Snake Patrol, which is sort of a give back thing, right? Uh, give back to the herps and uh, protect the wildlife. And uh, you probably do some educational work with that as well, right? A lot of that, yeah. So at first, you know, when you're working with snakes, a lot of people, especially in a country like this, um, a lot of people see you as the snake guy. So when there's a snake in somebody's house, they're like, hey, call Dick. So eventually I had a collaboration with the local fire department who was actually responsible for removing and relocating the snakes. Uh, but they didn't have any training, any gear whatsoever. And yeah, often they called me up, hey, we got a fertilance. Uh, what do we do with it? And I come up there and apparently it's a water snake. You know, whilst they've been doing that for, for almost 10 years already, so eventually I started doing that, but during due to tours, I was so often in the interior that they couldn't reach me. So at one point I thought, okay, actually we should, we should start a, like a group of people that could actually remove and relocate the snakes. And I started okay. the collaboration with, uh, with a friend of mine, Fenner, 
And uh, together we started uh, Foundation uh, Snake Patrol Suriname Foundation. And that started off with relocating the snakes. But eventually we realized that you know a lot of the snakes are not harmful. Uh, sometimes even people call us because of yeah, legless lizards that they're afraid of. So we started focusing on education a lot more. Okay. Okay. Very good. And um, yeah, I, I kind of wish uh, you could talk to my friend Brian Hughes because he does a rattlesnake relocation in Phoenix area, and he's he's into it really deep. And uh, you t- you two would probably find a lot to talk about. That'd be cool. So, yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, well, I've got an episode with him. Uh, you know, back in I think in the uh, early part of the the first season with uh, Brian on the work he does out there with you, which you might find interesting. So since you. You're, you would. Uh, this, this is not only your first appearance on the show. You just found out about the show on this trip. So <laughs> yeah. So I got to listen some some stuff back. You, yeah. You have some catching up to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So you guys are running a, a herping outfit. You're running a wildlife outfit, and you're running a, a, a basically a snake rescue education program. So it sounds like uh, both of you are very busy with this. Definitely. Uh, work. Definitely. Yeah. And in the beginning, you know, I'm more like a like a practical guy. So I, I started this work as a freelance uh, amongst a lot of other tour companies, but I had my own vision, but I'm not the guy to do the email contacts, to do the financials and everything. So when I went on an expedition uh, two years ago, and Lika was, was on an expedition, um, after that we started talking, she was actually like, okay, uh, I would like to do that part. I'm pretty good at that. And since then, now we're, we're going fast, so... Okay, that is really cool. That's the collaboration that we that we both needed, I think. Okay, and uh, uh, Lika, we we talked earlier. You re- you really have some project management skills that you're putting in putting to work here. Yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, I managed a lot, and yeah, I love to organize it and do the logistics, and yeah, I like to do like everything else. Yeah. So you guys work well as a team, then. You're pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's good to hear because you, you can't. Not everybody has the same talents, right? You know, Indeed, it's, yeah. It's, it's a lot to ask one person to be all of those things, you know, so. Well, cool. Uh, and, you know, I, Suriname, of course, is up, and I'm going to call it the northeast portion of South America. And I, But I don't really know how many people are there, or I don't really know much about the country. So what? Uh, why would why would I come to Suriname to go herping um is is uh can you tell me why I should come up there and and uh, what what I can see yeah of course we are the greenest country in the world so we have 93 percent of uh forest and jungle oh really yes yeah it's a beautiful country and there's just a half million people living there um for half of it living in the city Paramaribo and the rest is living uh like in the interior. Um, I think about what you can find there. I will give it to Dick. Wow. So that's pretty cool. 93% still green. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot, a lot to discover over there. And uh, regarding species, yeah, it's it's part of the of the Guiana Shield. So it has some some endemics. And uh, I think one of the, the species that a lot of people come for are Dendrobatus tinctorius. So the the, yes. the dying poison dart frog, so yes. that is uh, that is the one that is really really cool to see. And in Suriname only, we already have almost twenty five different color morphs. 
So yeah, this is the frog that comes. Uh, you know, like the, the the dart frogs we have here are not so much. They're not very. Uh, they're not variable. The this species looks like this. That species looks like that. They don't vary much. But the tinctorious are incredibly. Uh, uh, there's just so many so many yeah. morphs. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So yeah, that's really cool. And um, we got some Atelopus species as well. Okay, so the the harlequin toads. Uh, it used to be um, just one that it's like black with the fine yellow stripes and it's more of a lowland species. So it's not affected that much by climate change. And this far, there's no chytrid fungus that it's been found in, in Suriname yet. Okay. Uh, but we found a, a purple atelopus on top of a mountain. Unfortunately, that, that mountain is not reachable like 10 to 11 months a year. But a few months ago, we found uh, an island in the middle of a lake that actually has a, a, a backup population, sort of, of this purple atelopus. So that's oh, wow. a really amazing find. Wow. So um, I, I want to talk more about what what you can, what kind of herbs you can find there. But I also want to stop for a second and, and think you have you must be also working with herpetologists and people who are trying to, to study and understand the the herpetofauna of. Uh, Suriname, and um, and and there's probably a lot of work that needs to be done in that area, right? What kind of things are there? What things have been overlooked? And uh, you know, ranges for different uh, different herbs and things like that. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do. And as I as we said, like there's only half a million inhabitants, and as Lika also called it, like most of them are living in this city. That's because we only have one city. Okay. And the rest are just small villages. So there's not many people focusing on herbs. We have a zoological collection that, uh, that's been working uh, on it. And uh, I did my internship back, uh, back in the days there. So we're having some information. We have a book, but it's from 2012. And it's super outdated. And I think we can add maybe 20, 30 extra species on it already. I think I have some pictures in that book. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be cool. But there are... They're uh, Peruvian uh, animals, same some of the same animals, but just Peruvian okay. from Peru. So, <laughs> um, but I think at the time they couldn't get uh, the the people who put it together couldn't get photos of a, of the actual uh, on, on location animals. So they yeah. did the next best thing was to reach out to photographers. So, but anyway, it would be cool to get that updated. Yeah, yeah, sure. definitely. Yeah, we're working actually on a new book now. Very good. Um, and we actually want to make it a little wider. So we want to add on with, uh, want to put French Guiana and Guyana in it as well. But that's quite a big of a challenge because there's a lot of species complexes uh-huh. and there's still a lot to discover. So basically every year I find one or two or sometimes three or four species new to science. So that's oh. quite a quite a challenge okay. to be able to add that to the book. I mean, if you publish a book now, it's going to be outdated next year. Right. So you just keep gathering material and at some point you'll have to have a cutoff point and go, okay, here's what we have so far. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, and so the topography, like, like we're sitting in the Peruvian rainforest and it's, you know, fairly low, fairly, I don't want to say flat, but it's, you know, we don't have mountains here anywhere where we're at. Uh, it's, it's the same kind of uh, elevation across uh, uh, the whole Amazon basin. But up there, 
you've you've got lowland forests, but you've also got uh, mountains and and hills and uh, other you know every other uh, variance on uh, topography. And uh, do you have the uh, the tapuis, the big tall? We got one. You got one tapui in yeah. in. Uh... So actually, uh, we have the coastal plain. Uh huh. And underneath that, we have what we call the the savanna belt, which is actually okay. the old coastal plain. So we have a, a large patch of of savanna rainforest with different different kind of species. And if uh, the further south you go, the more elevated the country becomes. Okay. And somehow Suriname functions as sort of an island. We got rivers on the on the east and the western side bordering with uh, with Guyana and uh, and French Guyana. And on the south we have the the bordering mountains. And somehow it make sure that chytrid doesn't enter the country. Somehow we got some species that don't occur anywhere else. Somehow, because we don't have any connection with the Amazon River, uh, we're not having uh, some of those species, for example, Matamata or Black Cayman. Okay. Uh, so it functions somehow as, a, as sort of an island. Okay. And so some things have made it there. We share, we share some species in common. You found some things here that do occur in Guiana, yeah, but not definitely. everything. No, there's a lot of overlap, um, and that is that is really nice to see because, especially of the genuses. So now I can hear something. I'm like, okay, I can put it in a genus. I know what kind of frog it is, but I cannot specify the exact species mm -hmm. uh, and some exact overlap of the species. But the the colors are different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's some variation there. Mm -hmm. um, in in terms of um, uh, well, I want to ask you too. You're talking about grassland and savanna. So, so do you have redfoot tortoises? Yeah, we do. Okay. Red and yellow. Yeah, and yellowfoots. Yeah. Okay. Whew. All right. Yeah, they're and, nice. It goes up a notch for me there. Uh, okay, that's cool. And what else? Is, so you you get people? Are they that come on the herb tours? Are they coming in for the dart frogs, or what are they? What are, what's the the big draw in Suriname? Um. I think most of the herping tours in South America are often like the the invisible number one is the, is the Bushmaster. Right. Like, they, they don't dare to put it on one because it's not always there to find, but Bushmaster, Emerald Tree Boa, um, the Poison Dart Frogs, uh, Anacondas, those are usually the, the, the gold species that most people go for. for you. Okay. Yeah. And uh, as far as um, Anacondas and uh, Emerald Tree Boas, are they... Hard to find, or are they common or half common? I don't know what to call it. Uh, yeah. Occasionally found? Depends. Depends on the location where you go. So we got a lot of different locations. And um, as I earlier said, Suriname has a lot of places to discover. So we're discovering still new new spots that are like, whoa, there's a lot of emeralds here. We go there and we found four or five. Oh, wow. Um, two months ago, we found a new location for Anaconda where we found seven of them in in 20 minutes Ooh, so okay. okay yeah so some of the locations that are really coming out now and uh it's funny the you know the anaconda is a big draw for people lots of people want to see that snake they uh and some of the the folks on the, the tour with you are very interested in finding an anaconda mm -hmm. uh, we haven't found one yet and we don't always find one so uh they're here they're this is probably not the best where you're at is probably a better habitat for them but we do we do get them here but mm. They're all widespread throughout the country, actually. So okay. some of the, the slow-moving rivers got them, and they be sitting in the, in the grasslands where the capybaras are. But sometimes you also have them further up in the interior, and they'll be laying next to some of the rapids uh, next to the river. That's the big ones. The big ones prefer to be alongside the big river, and okay. the smaller ones are mostly found in the small rivers. 
basking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and now we're scouting a new area. Uh, actually, not not even an hour away from from our lodge um, for a rattlesnake and bushmaster. What is the rattlesnake? Durisus, the South American rattlesnake. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, so you have a, a number of things that are, are really big draws for harpers who'd like to uh, go to other countries and uh, and uh, see what we call the top tier top tier herps. Uh, and, uh, of course, the bushmaster is always a, a big a big draw. And do you uh, how often do you find those? Are those a, a, a hit or miss thing, or do you have a, a plan and do you carry? You know, you can reasonably find them or. Depends on the season. Okay. Uh, if we're in the in the large rainy season, they tend to be a little easier to find because probably all the holes in the ground fill up and they come out. Okay. Uh, so that's what it'll be a, a little easier. So if we spend a few nights, we usually we usually have them. But for now, we only have one proper location for them. So that's why we're scouting some some more areas as well. Okay. And how does it compare? You've been here looking for Bushmasters, and we managed to find one the other night, mm-hmm. um, which is no surprise to this audience because <laughs> we seem to be doing pretty well with those. But uh, how does it compare for you finding Bushmasters here, looking for them here, and we're in, as to, opposed to back in Suriname? Uh, we just need more trails. That's it. Ah. Yeah, so we have some lodges, and we got some trails. Um but I don't own those lodges where they are. So I can only advise like, hey, guys, you need to put out, put up more trails so we can make uh, larger distances in order to find them. Otherwise you'd just be walking the same trail six times, but yeah. Yeah. Which must have moved that much. But so, they sure like trails. That That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it might have the same potential, but it needs, just needs more trails so we can cover more ground at night. Okay. Very good. So you've got an undeveloped resource there as far as Bushmasters are concerned. Yeah, but that's a lot in, in Suriname. There's a lot, a lot of potential, but just not many people know about it. There's not much tourism, uh, but there's a lot of rainforest, a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of wildlife. So we'd like to open up Suriname for, for the rest of the world. And a lot of the local tour operators, they're focusing just on the Netherlands because it used to be a Dutch colony. Yes. Okay. So everything is in Dutch and we just try to put everything in English and, and put put out word to other countries to get more people to Suriname. Okay. Well, that's a good plan because uh, if you want, you want tourists, it can't just be one language. You've got to... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. When I went to Greece, all, all the uh, all the road signs and all the highway signs were in in uh, Greek and English. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So they, you know, their their uh, tourist infrastructure there is, you know, they got their thinking caps on, right? So if you, if you're uh, from an English speaking country or if you speak English, you can go there and navigate your way uh, very easily without uh, needing to understand Greek at all. So so it's the same. Maybe it's the same approach, right? You mm-hmm. try to make it easier for the folks who want to. Maybe you want to come and, or maybe go somewhere different. So. Definitely. Yeah. So when you when you guys, so you handle the the, the actual tours and taking people out and and Linky, you do the the, the uh, logistics, but you don't have like a central base that you work out of, like we do here. Like we have, we're working out of a field station, so every night we come back to the field station and we eat and. And then we go out and walk trails and so on and so forth. You don't really have a, a scene like that. It's a little different scenario uh, where you're at, right? You have to go visit lodges and various points. And, and uh, so you're traveling around a bit with people? Yeah. 
So we got one location, one resort, which is ours. Uh, but it's next to next to this city, next to Paramaribo. Okay. And from there on, we're like super close to Pepper Pot Nature Park, which is an 800 hectare park, which does not have any fences. And from there on, wildlife can just walk to Brazil. It's just forest. Oh. So from there on already, the interior basically starts. And most of the round trips that we do, we try to add a few locations to it. So... We're going to start off at our resort. We have the coastal plain. We continue to a part in the savannah. We continue to bauxite hills like with laterite caps. We continue to the interior to some of the rivers and some of the lowland forests. So then we can add on like more species to it and find more locations with different habitats. Okay. So so do you have like a just a... Uh, I know people want to see specific things, but you just have a general round trip tour that sort of covers all of all of the the various uh, uh locations uh, bioregions uh, and and so on and so forth well yeah we got some um uh, some basic tours for it but most of the things we do is actually on on request so people come with their species list and the amount of days the amount of people their budget sometimes and then we're like okay we can add on these locations to fulfill your needs mostly so that's why we're we're putting things together, mostly customized. Okay. <clears throat> oh, what's the name of your uh, lodge? Zootopia. So not Zootopia, but Zootopia, Surinamese oh. Utopia. S U Topia. Yeah. Okay. Y'all y'all are just clever. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it. Zootopia. Okay. Well, we'll try it at the in the show notes. I'll put some information down about how people can uh, get get a hold of you and and. Uh, if they're interested in doing a tour, uh, what what's the number one draw? Is it the dart frog that people are most interested in seeing? Depends or, on the people. Or it yeah. depends. Huh? Yeah, okay. depends on the people. There's a different uh, different top that people have. Yeah. Okay. So uh, obviously the um, we talked a little bit today, and the dart frog is is cool. But you also have the uh, the peepa toads, peepa peepa, the Surinamese toad. Yeah, the Suriname toad. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you have a number of species of those and that sounds like that's a fun thing to, to find as well. Yeah. They're super cool. I, I love them. Just the weirdness of them is, it's, it's crazy to see. Can you see them like, uh, along the, sh the shore or do you have to be in a boat or something to, to, to get a good look at those or? Uh, if there's a lot of rain, they tend to come up to the pots. Um, if you're in the interior, sometimes you find them in creeks. Uh, you got the smaller species that you can find in caves or in shallow creeks. But in, in Pepperpot Nature Park, where we do a lot of the tours, uh, if you go kayaking, you're just floating next to the kayak. So that's where you can find the, the peepa peepa, the big ones. Okay. Wow. All right. Uh, so that sounds interesting to me, interesting to me as well. Uh, do um, Right now, are you getting most of your clientele from the Netherlands or is it coming from Europe or United States? What's, what's going on with that? Most of them are from the Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of them from, from Belgium. We got some from Austria. We got some from Germany. We got a few from Japan. Um, but yeah, we'd like to expand it a little more. Okay. Well, hopefully. <laughs> Are you listening out there, folks? Uh, well, hopefully we'll get uh, some, some folks from the United States to uh, pay attention and think about maybe coming down to Suriname instead. I'd love that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also the other way around. I still need to go to the, uh, to the States to, to find some herbs there as well. 
neither one have you either one of you been to the United States? Never. Okay. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> well, we could uh, we could definitely uh, show you around. Uh, should you make it up our way, be sure to let us know and let Matt know, or we'll uh, we'll if we can't get to you and get you to places, we have friends who will be happy to take you That'd to be some amazing, cool places. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I always forget how cool the United States can be if you, you know, from from a herper standpoint, we have a lot of interesting stuff. So I don't, I don't know. Probably rattlesnakes is probably at the top one of your definitely. tops, but uh, most definitely, I've been looking for them in Suriname for for a long time. Uh, so okay, yeah. So it's, sometimes if you hear that, it's it's easier to find in the, in the states. That's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, a number of places where it's not hard at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, but uh, it's it's kind of fun to have. Um, I don't want to. I'm I'm not in the herp tour business, but I I do play a herp guide uh, just for fun. Uh, but it's kind of fun to compare notes when you go on somebody else's tour. Have you been doing that some here? Obviously, it's a little bit different setup because they're not moving around a lot like you guys do. But uh, is there anything different what we do that you you find interesting or? Uh, that maybe doesn't, uh, maybe, maybe that will work back home that works here or is there things completely different on how you, how you would operate a herb tour? Uh, yeah, it is kind of interesting. Obviously the, the first thing you're going to be doing is, is comparing like, Hey, I always do this. Hey, they do that. Uh, funny thing that, that, that catches my eye a lot is, uh, is the freedom. So you guys give, give the guests a lot of freedom to, to roam around, find their own stuff, catch their own stuff. Um, but during my tours, I did not always have experienced people, so ah. I could not, you know, let them roam out, roam around on their own. Plus the trails are not always that clear. Um, so there's no maps or something. So you got to know the, 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 the routes. If you don't know them, you're going to get lost. So we always need one or two guides that are going with the group and going around at night. Yeah, that can be a concern. We have some of that concern here, especially with people who are, have never been in the in the neotropics or tropics before so we we try to pay attention to that and to make sure that same way that they don't get lost somewhere or they they understand got to really start drinking water when you get off the plane that kind of thing <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um so some of those things we have in common I'm sure but uh um yeah but it's diff- it is different here in the fact that um it's sort of a contained area we stay in one place or we stay in two different field stations of course but when we're at the field station, we just kind of, you know, walk out and walk back, walk out and walk back, and it gives the people a lot of freedom to do what they what they want. So. Yeah, yeah. We I also saw that uh, the thing that because we're moving from location to location, we do automatically you're going to do some road cruising as well. So you encounter some of the larger colubrid species on the, on the road. Um, yeah, I think that's two of the most mo- the main differences that that I'm seeing. Yeah. So when you get a, if you get like. A, Let's say you get six herpers that come down. You get to uh, how do you how do you get them around? Do you get a van or something to get people around, or what? What's... Depends on the location. So some of the the locations only have uh, are accessible by plane. So we go by a little Ooh. bush plane to the interior. Ooh. Uh, some of the locations you need um, you need cars, and it's some of them are are yeah some crazy roads. Uh, but the crazy roads also bring some of, for example, the the water turtles that you can find in the ponds where you have to drive to. Ooh. So it's it's a, it's a different kind of uh, kind of herping from the car. Uh, other ones are a lot by boat. So 
some of the connectivity, well, actually most of the connectivity in Suriname is, uh, is via the river. So the main road just ends at a docking station and there's all the boats lined up and they go from village to village. Okay. Uh, so there's, there's a number of ways that you can you can go around. Okay. It sounds like it's, um, I, I, I'm imagining you try to use four-wheel drive vehicles and yeah, and in the roads, but it it sounds like a, you know, it's not just a herbing trip, but it's also an adventure. Definitely, you know, most definitely. The, the it's you know it's the people on TV that get on the small planes and and go places. So that that sounds like uh, an exciting element to it, you know. Definitely, and that's also what we do. For example, with Unlock Nature, we provide the, the expeditions for people, and yeah, Suriname is so much uncharted jungle where there's no way of coming except, for example, a, a small plane or a helicopter. So you do a helicopter dropping in the middle of nowhere with inflatable kayaks and then pedal back to civilization. That's Are you all kidding possible. Me? <laughs> really? Yeah. So and then for three hundred kilometers you don't see a, a single person. You're two weeks on a kayak and it's just just wildlife. Wow. So Lika, have you done that trip? Not yet, but I will this year. You will this year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you looking forward to that one? I'm absolutely looking forward. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Wow. In okay. October we're going and uh yeah, looking forward. But you joined wow. on Table Mountain. I joined on Table Mountain, yeah, by helicopter. We went there for two weeks. Yeah, it was awesome. I didn't want to go, and I cried when I had to get picked up by oh, the helicopter. <laughs> you had that good a time, huh? Yeah, it was really beautiful, yes. And yeah. Table Mountain is the Tepui? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. And for the folks listening out there, that's T-E-P-U-I, Tepui, which is basically a, what we call a table land, I guess, a, a flat-topped. Uh, it's a mountain, but it's got a flat top, right? Yeah. Or more or less flat on the top. Yeah, it is. Things live up there. Yeah. So you have to take a helicopter up there. You have to take a helicopter. Yeah. <sighs> it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Waterfalls and. Well, yeah, big waterfalls. Yeah, the highest is like 300 meters. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So th- not only do you get herping, but you get high adventure as well. Yep. Okay. Just like on TV, they're always, you know, dropping people from helicopters and stuff. So <laughs> sounds exciting to me. Um, in terms of, so I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, and I'm just eager to ask you about all of the different herps I, I could find if I, if I come there, but you run, uh, you have to also understand birds and, uh, where to go for the best birds. And you have to, uh, the, the mammals people want to see, right. The other wildlife, uh, you, you've got to, work that in for people too because not everybody i can't believe this but not everybody is a herper true yeah definitely so starting off with herping that was my passion already so that was kind of easy to to start with um and i actually i was actually raised as more as as a as a birder my dad was a birder but it was always too far away from me (laughs) well i couldn't grab it you know i couldn't see it up close so I, i sort of let it go but living in Suriname, then you have the, the macaws and the parrots and the woodpeckers and toucans and everything. So it starts it starts living a little bit again. And then with all the guests, you know, I'm, I'm still not, I don't consider myself a birder. Although my my birding level might be a little bit higher than, than average uh, guide in Suriname. Uh, but it's mostly the pretty birds. Okay. So, so the small brown ones are not that much my speciality, but, uh, but I, when there's a lot yeah. of people around, I'd, I'd, I'd like to show them the different species, also the, the monkeys. And it's cool to know the sounds and knows to know what's happening around you. We call the, 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 
the brown ones, uh, LBJs, we were little brown jobs. <laughs> we, so. we have a sword similar okay. uh, yeah. saying, yeah. Yeah, but that, I mean, that satisfies a, a big chunk of the, of the birders. They want to come and see the, the sexy birds. And they'll, they'll try to, they'll try to do the LBJs too, but they want to see the sexy birds. So that's, it's, you know, if you're, if you've got a good working knowledge of those, they can fill in all the little brown jobs they want, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we do photography tours as well. And that's actually the hardest because they want to, they want to stay up late to see all the herbs, but they want to wake up early as well to see all the birds. So as okay. a guide, you'll be walking until three at night and I wake up at six and yeah, do that for two or three weeks. And then uh, you're going to, you're going to need a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do the, t what's the temperatures like for you in, uh, in Suriname? Is it comparable to here in Peru, which is mostly hot and muggy all the time? Yep. Same, 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 huh? Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little, a little less hot in the rainy season. Uh, is your your lodge is close to is is in the coastal area? Is yeah. Right? So, we so got maybe a, a little cooler. Yeah, exactly. Lodge? We got a little bit more wind. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And less mosquitoes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Because of the wind, but that's also one of the things I uh, I noticed that in general in the in the interior we have a lot less mosquitoes than I than I know than I noticed here. Okay. Yeah. And here it varies. Um, if we get. Uh, if we get a few days of really heavy rain, then, you know, some sometime later, 10, 11 days later, we get a big crop of mosquitoes that come in. So yeah. it seems to come in cycles that way. But yeah. uh, right now it's not too bad. When when I was here last month, it was, uh, it was challenging. Some days were challenging, but you know. We yeah. mainly have it in the mangroves alongside the coast. Ooh. They got like a half an hour, an hour, and there's the, the big mosquitoes coming. There's just a lot of them. But it's, it, after that, they're gone. Okay. And mostly in the interior, you don't have them that much. So that's that's really uh, that's really nice. So, if I, if I'm coming from the states and I want to get to Suriname, I'm flying to Maracaibo. Paramaribo. Oh, yeah. yeah. What did I say? Well, actually, Paramaribo, the the capital city, doesn't have an, an airstrip. So you're gonna be you're gonna be landing at Zanderay. Zanderay is uh, an airstrip on the savannah. So okay. So for most of the round trips, people land, and within three minutes, we uh, we are at one of our lodges, and within three minutes, you're in the rainforest. Okay. And then from there on, we we go on with the tour. We go to several locations, and then usually maybe after a week. We arrive in in the capital city and at our at our resort. Okay, so I'm wondering how Americans get, and this is sort of to give people an idea if they're considering coming out, coming to to uh, do a tour with you. That's <clears throat> how they would get there from the United States. They'd probably maybe Miami. Miami. Okay, so in yeah. Miami to what is the name of it again? Paramaribo. Paramar Paramaribo. Yeah, exactly. I said Maracaibo, which is. <laughs> yeah. A city somewhere else in South America, I think. <laughs> um, okay. So it's either Miami and we also have a connection with Panama. Okay. So that's the two two connections that you could, okay. uh, could take. So there's some flights that are there. People could get there with a couple flights. Yep. One flight to Miami or, or Panama City and another yep. flight to... Trinidad and Tobago every now and then. Yeah, but I think the easiest is Miami. Those are coming pretty okay. often. So it's not, it, it's not much different from here. Um we usually have to go through Miami or Panama City as a stop before. Uh, there is, there's no nonstop down here to the rainforest. We have to go through the capital city of Lima. So, you know, 
everything kind of gets directed through that. So actually probably fewer stops than coming down here. So not too bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me a little bit about the, 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 uh, the educational work that you guys do. Started as rescue, uh, giving back to the herps, but now you're working on uh, talking to the, the, the people in the city and talking to the people in the country and maybe you're educating some kids. Do you do some work with getting the kids on board with herps? And Definitely. That's actually the, mo- the, the main focus. So in the beginning, it was just the, the, the relocation. And eventually we started off with some workshops, kids' workshops, uh, the adult workshops, and then even kids' parties. Um, and eventually, uh, we started doing it for professionally snake handling trainings for oil companies, for gold mines, uh, because they have snakes on their, on their land as well. And everybody's afraid, all the locals are afraid. So they needed a, a proper training in order to, to be able to catch and safely relocate the, the animals. I think that's awesome because, you know, the, at least they're considering the idea of we need to we need to mitigate the the a, a, a safe, it's a safety issue so we have to mitigate risk but we don't necessarily want to go in there with a shovel and cut the snake you know cut the head off of every snake so let's call in the professionals which are, are you guys and you can come in and, and teach uh, people on site how to uh maybe not identify every snake but at least how to re- safely handle and remove the snake from the area of where people are working Exactly. Yeah, we start off with some, with some basic knowledge about the species you can encounter. Um, so they should be relatively easy to to recognize. Uh, I mean, we got uh, about a hundred species, and we got about twelve that are potentially deadly, and there's only one that is really common: uh, the furlands, the common furlands. So we start off with some of the basic information. A lot of them don't even know um, uh, co- what cold-blooded creatures are or how that actually works, why they see them more in the rainy season and in the dry season, where they would be, how the behavior is. Um, so it's some of the basic knowledge and then eventually some of the, the handling itself because the people in the city can call us, hey, I got a snake in my room, uh, can you come and remove it? And then we can come. But if you're in a gold mine or on an oil field somewhere far away, uh, it could be pretty challenging and you need local people to, to do it. Okay. I'm just ha- happy to hear that we're we're at that point where but it, it's a bad look for you know mining companies any corporation these days just to to slaughter wildlife so at least you know they're paying attention at a corporate level to uh, maybe they don't really care but it is, it is definitely a bad look to do that and so they are taking the proper steps and so the animals do benefit from that even yeah. if it's for a different reason yeah yeah definitely yeah and um, next March, the next month, we'll, uh, we'll be doing our first uh, workshop in the interior of Suriname. So we're going to some of the maroon villages and um, we'll, uh, we'll educate some, some kids over there. It's mostly kids' workshops, but it goes a little bit different than in the city. In the city, we usually say it's a max of 10, 8 to 10 kids. But I already know that in these villages, you, 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 you set out word. And probably five villages will come and it will be 150 kids. So it's going to be something different. But uh, I think it's really important because there a lot of the people are super afraid of them, even more than in the city. 
so we'll do our first um, project there. So we're, we're trying to raise some money for that as well because it's still uh, still a foundation and it's our, our way to, well, for giving back to the community. Uh, but we still need uh, need some money for that. What's the name of your foundation? Then? Snake Patrol Suriname. Snake Patrol Suriname. Okay. Yeah. Well, also on social media, so it should be easy uh, easy to find. Okay. I'll try to get some links in the show notes for that as well. So, very good. And Lika, do you participate in that as well? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, is there a, a certain part of that? Are you, you're probably involved a lot behind the scenes with that, making arrangements. And yes, things I'm like mostly that. behind the scenes, indeed. Yeah, not catching snake yet. Yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning already a lot on this trip. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're ha- happy to be a training ground for you. <laughs> we we did I hear wrong? Did you did you? Were you on TV doing a, a some work on television too, or was that? Did I hear wrong? No. Well, you're no. on television a lot, but we have a program in the the Youth Journal, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we have uh, with the Snake Patrol. We also have a, a fixed program on uh, on television on the local oh, television. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. So we try to. Um, there's a lot of um stories that are not right about snakes so all the snakes with a triangular head are are venomous all the the, the snakes with bright colors are venomous uh the water snake can breed uh, together with the fertilands and create this monstrous kind of snake that will attack you and so there's a lot of stories about that so our um our volunteers will try and make one of those stories and tell a little bit about it and get a snake involved so it's it's attractive television for the kids so we have sort of like a u channel that uh, every friday will be uh, aired on television now that's that's awesome <laughs> that's cool right yeah i think that's really cool yeah i really like wow. that so and and yeah certain is small so a lot of people get to hear about it oh very cool so i don't know how that came to be but it, have you been doing that long or uh i think now think about six months okay yeah it's going pretty all right yeah do you get any feedback about the show uh well the certainmese television is not uh um yeah you say that not a not of great level not a big market <laughs> yeah, not a big market either no when you got half a million people or, or maybe half a quarter million people who may watch watch the the television in, in your country yeah and and but I heard from some of the adults that say like your channel is actually one of my favorite programs because they have proper uh, things that and interesting things that we actually want to learn something about. So prefer the you channel over any other uh, channel that they see. So that's that's good. <laughs> well, I think that's cool. I mean, it, it's that's an advantage maybe of a small market too. But in the United States, unless you're a, a celebrity or one of the, the big wildlife celebrity, you really can't get a show on on TV locally, uh, it's very difficult to do that kind of thing. So that's maybe that's an advantage of your smaller market. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, during COVID, we were doing um, something completely unrelated. We were doing a, a reintroduction program of, of spider monkeys. And uh, we had um, illegal logging in the area where we reintroduced uh, the spider monkeys. It's like two calls to the local newspaper and the local television and everybody's there because there's not much happening in the country. So if there's news like that, it's, it's easy to, relatively easy to get it on television or in the, in the papers. Okay, so people found out about the illegal logging that way. Exactly, yeah. Okay, that seems to be a problem across uh, 
South America, the illegal logging thing. So yeah, kind of hard to stop. Mm-hmm. Hmm. In terms of uh, ex- ex- the exotic wildlife, uh, do you get calls? Uh, I mean, uh, you do snake rescues, but people also call you for coatis or monkeys or things like that uh, that need to be removed or rescued or people will capture and think they're going to make a great pet or something like that uh, to get those kind of. Uh, yeah, there's cute. a lot of that going on. Um, but we are just not specializing in catching the monkeys or, or whatever else. Uh, but the problem is there's nobody who specialized in that. We got a local zoo, yeah. which is not very big, and they have some gear and some knowledge to do it. Uh, but there's no rehabilitation center or something. No. Okay. No. Yeah. So that's that's kind of a, a problem. Uh, if if somebody has an illegal animal as a pet, only thing police can do is, ooh, that's not good. Uh, here you have a fine, but you can keep it. Because they don't know where to bring it. Oh, <laughs> and and if they if they take it to the zoo, eventually the zoo just gets overwhelmed. That's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. What's the zoo going to do with it now? That's why we started the re, the reintroduction program because they had too many spider monkeys. So we tried to release five of them, but yeah, that's not something you do uh, any okay. week. It took us two and a half years to uh, to do that. Whew, that's a lot of work for five monkeys. Exactly. Not that they don't deserve it, but it's still a lot of work. Exactly, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, you know, it's funny that when uh, the pythons, you know, started getting the whole python, pet python thing got out of control. It's, you know, I hear people say, well, we'll just take it to the zoo when it gets too big. And of course, the zoo, you know, every week there's people trying to bring pythons to the zoo and the zoo's like, we have two pythons. We don't. We don't need any more pythons, you know. It's not our problem, and, and it's it's kind of funny that people kind of think maybe the zoo is the easy dumping ground for their their exotic pets, you know. It's exactly what's happening in in Suriname. Yeah, I get calls from the zoo every now and then, like, "Hey, there's somebody who brought us uh, five boa constrictors. Uh, what do we do with it?" Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you do with it? So you have boa constrictors as well. I think that's about uh, 70, 80% of the snake calls we get. Somehow they do pretty well along, uh, amongst the uh, people. Okay, so yeah. they're in the city as well? Yeah, yeah, mostly, yeah. I think, um, yeah, most of the calls are boa constrictors and second most is anacondas. Wow, okay. Yeah, and it's, it'd be surprising. I mean, they're living in the small trenches in the city, uh, but yeah, they're mostly aquatic and yeah, there's yeah. plenty of stray dogs, there's plenty of stray cats, so they get a lot of food. Yeah. And uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, well, actually last year too, uh, we got about a five meter anaconda in, in, in dead center per marble. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of people in Suriname that are pretty afraid of the jungle. They don't want to go there. Uh, but we tend to tell them, like, you're basically already living in the jungle. I mean, there's capybaras in the northern part of, of the capital city. There's anacondas in, in, in that center capital city. Probably a lot of people with frogs in their garden and things like all that. All of them, right? all of them, yeah. Bathroom, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. It makes me think of uh, uh, Bangkok in Thailand, you know, the big metropolitan area, and they, they, they still have, you know, little green tree vipers and oh, yeah. reticulated pythons and y- you name it uh, throughout the city. People have them in their... They're in the alleys and in backyards and things. It's it's kind of crazy. So, for some a dream, for other a nightmare, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, it was I spent a, the first uh, 
well, both my trips to Thailand, I spent a day in, uh, was it Lumfini Park in, in the middle of Bangkok and they have, uh, well, big monitor, the big water monitors in the middle yeah, of the park. Yeah, I heard about that. All kinds of really cool turtles and, uh, actually got a, uh, uh, one of the flying tree snakes. Yeah. In a tree in the middle of the park, you know, that is so cool. great picture of this thing in a tree with a big skyscraper behind it, you know? <laughs> so it's one of my favorite pictures. So, so the, yeah. It some some in some places we live alongside wildlife. Uh, United States not so much. People don't really like that as as much. I don't think we get a like where I live. I have occasionally I have snakes snakes in my yard and around the neighborhood and stuff. But it's it's just um, they're either hidden or we've arranged it with too many roads or too much traffic where those things can't. Uh, move around very much so eventually it just kind of wears down the population so yeah. yeah yeah since we opened uh or actually took over the resort i'm I'm super happy because uh, we have about 10 species of snakes in the garden already so for years i managed to relocate snakes from other people's gardens and now finally i can be happy to have a snake in my garden <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to go anywhere it's, it's good right there so you can actually spend a couple of days at, at, at your resort and and get uh, snakes in the garden. Basically, All basically. Right. Yeah, but it's also a five-minute walk to, to Pepperpot Nature Park. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff there. Okay. All right. That sounds awesome. Uh, so I, it, it's good to meet you guys and hang out and, and uh, get to compare notes a little bit and, and see how things are differently, but are done differently. But um I, I'm also wondering, do you, do you go back to the Netherlands at all? Do you Are you... Stay strictly in Suriname. Do you go back to visit family, or what's uh, what what's it like for you uh, having sort of living in, or maybe you've got family back in in uh, the Netherlands that you have to go see once in a while. How does that work? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, I tend to to go back once a year, once every two years, something like that. Usually, there is some situation that requires me to go or. Um, yeah, there's a special situation like two years ago, I was able to represent Suriname on the, on the World Expo in Dubai. And then you have to fly from, from Suriname to Amsterdam and then to the Emirates. So I, I asked them like the two and a half hour that, that the transition time, could it also be two and a half weeks? <laughs> like, yeah, that's all right. Okay. It's good. So then I got my little time back home. Felt so weird oh, to, okay. to stop in Amsterdam and be like an hour away from my family, but not being able to see them. Oh, uh, yeah. And they're coming our way every now and then. Uh, I mean, your parents went uh, came last time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm also going home like once or twice of, um, every two years. Uh -huh. And my parents came in September and my brother came in January. And I think my sister's coming this year. Okay. And they've already been there in Suriname for two or three times. But okay. yeah, they love it as well. And it's nice to see them. Yeah. And it's about a nine hour flight, so it's not that you're going regularly back to the Netherlands. Well that's not too bad. No, it's okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and, and they've come and visited you, so they don't think you've lost your mind or anything. No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> okay. No, they love that what I'm doing here. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh and it's it's Suriname was a Dutch colony, but there's mm -hmm. still this tremendous influence there. Yeah, there is a big connection between uh, the Netherlands and Suriname, but uh -huh. they're independent. Um, right. But everybody has family in the Netherlands or 
um, they used to live in Suriname and they go to Holland to um, to study and to stay there to go work. Oh, okay. So yeah, there's a big connection. So there's traffic back and forth. Yes, quite indeed. a bit. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm trying to think of something else I haven't covered yet that we need to talk about uh, as far as what you all are up to. Uh, in terms of, I know you'd like to come to the United States, but there is, you have other travel plans as far as uh, other exotic locations you, you would like to? And Lika, you got the mic, so go first. Well, um, I'd love to go to Madagascar. Madagascar, yes. okay, yeah. I've, I've been traveling a lot already, but not about like wildlife or herping specialized. Um, so it's really nice to see it now from a different angle yes. when I go traveling. Um, and I heard... Where you want to go to? So I haven't been able to travel much, uh, funny enough. Um, so you guys are I, starting a business, so you're busy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And before that, you know, I was I was studying uh, ecology and wildlife. And uh, after that, I did wildlife management. And then when I finished that, I was like, or either I stay in the Netherlands for a little longer. I do some job that I don't really like. And then go traveling, or I just move to Suriname. I can do what I like, and then have to work a little longer for the same amount of money, and then start traveling. So now I'm finally at that point that I can start and go around a little bit. So I haven't seen that much yet. I've been to Thailand, been to South Africa, uh, but there was a boat on study trips. Okay. So my, I think one of my my number one and my number two would be um, Papua New Guinea and uh, Gabon. Oh, okay. But I think. Uh, I don't know if it's coincidence or um, I like like the remoteness and Suriname, Gabon, and Papua New Guinea are the three greenest countries countries on the planet. Okay, and there's just a lot of stuff to discover. There. I mean, not everything is is written out, written written down already. How you should go, where you should go, and I think there's a lot a lot to do over there. So okay. I think those are the, the my my top two. Okay, so I. I I sense a theme here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, very good. And uh, in terms of uh, who's who's running the business, you both are here. Uh, <laughs> you, you both are here. Who's who's minding the store, as they say? There, there's a there's a friend of ours, uh, Anik, and she was actually coming to uh, to support Snake Patrol for a few months. Uh, but she's she's doing so well, and and there was another uh, friend of ours that uh, that was going to help out. But she uh, left early to back to the Netherlands, so um, it was kind of uh, exciting, or yeah, exciting in a bad way, like nerve wracking to to uh-huh. go here and just leave everything, like our baby, behind. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like like the, the the lodge and everything, and every responsibility we leave it in somebody's hand. That okay, just been doing it for like a month or two. And multiple people are helping. Yeah, there's multiple people who are helping but, out now. But so Anik is in charge. Yeah, mm. Anik is on the resort, and it's the first time that I've been away like more than two days. So okay, yeah, it's really uh, yeah, not stressful, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been a lot of confident they, that she will manage it well. She'll be fine. I I yeah. met her. I got to spend some time herping with her in Greece. Yeah. So you did. Yeah. yeah so it'll be fine. She's got it under control. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> It's after all, it's, you know, it's just like 
I said, as long as my dogs are living, then it's okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they will be alive. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> She's got to take care of the dogs, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. With dogs and chicken and a lot of animals. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's good. And after you guys leave here, you're not quite done. You're going to travel somewhere else, right? Yeah. So we have stopped over on Panama. Panama. Yeah. And I asked Dick, do you want to stay there for a little bit longer and see this beautiful country and maybe go surfing or diving? And then he said, no, I have a friend there and he's a herpetologist as well. So we have five days there and uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Okay. So no rest for you guys. No, no rest. No. <laughs> right on to the next adventure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Dick and Lika. And Lika, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce your last name. What is your last name? Fervoort. 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 Okay. Yeah, almost. Uh, I, you know, I, I have a, a good friend of mine. Uh, shout out to Hank Tenhav. He's the guy who worked for me. He's uh, from the Netherlands. And I've learned mm-hmm. a lot about Dutch culture from him, but I have not learned how to pronounce every word. <laughs> the names. So. No but worries. he did teach me that if it ain't Dutch, it ain't much. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, and, thanks for having us. I'll put uh, some links in the show notes so folks can uh, are interested in maybe going to Suriname, like me, uh, contacting you and um, yeah, more getting some welcome. more information. And, yeah, it would um, be cool to show you around. Yeah, yeah. So once again, thank you both. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, sign, we'll find some more herbs here in the next couple of days. We still have a few days to find a few cool things. Of course, the pressure's off. We got we got you a Bushmaster, so. <laughs> yeah, true uh, that. <laughs> that your, yeah, your first. Okay. All right. And it was a good one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you both. Hey there, it's me again. It was such a pleasure to talk with Dick and Lika, and I wish them all the best with their herping and wildlife tours in Suriname. Now, I know that some of you listening will be interested in visiting and herping there, so I am putting links in the show notes for Unlock Nature and Herping Suriname and all of their associated social media accounts. I really enjoyed getting to know Dick and Lika in the Peruvian Amazon, and it's a pleasure to help generate more interest on their behalf and on the behalf of the Herps of Suriname, of course. And thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. That's it for episode 79. I want to thank Dick Locke and Licky Favard for coming on the show, and we wish you all the best with your herping and wildlife tours. And uh, Licky, I hope I didn't mess up your last name too badly. I also want to thank everyone for their patience while I was far away in foreign lands having lots of fun. Thanks again to Sherry Monk for supporting the show. And I want to say thanks to all of the So Much Pingle patrons who keep the show rolling on into the future. And if you would like to kick in a few bucks to help support the show, it's really easy to do, and it costs about as much as a cup of delicious coffee. Just go to patreon.com slash so much pingle and so much pingle is all one word. You could also make one-time contributions via PayPal or Venmo. Just drop me an email to so much pingle at gmail.com for more details. And don't forget that you can find all of the recorded episodes and show notes at so much pingle.com. 
And you can join the So Much Pingle Facebook group to follow the show and interact with me and some of my guests. Now, I say this every time, but I do like hearing from folks, like your thoughts and opinions, guest suggestions, whatever you got. So you can email me at somuchpingle at gmail.com. And of course, as always, so much pingle is all one word. Also, please note that I am on Instagram and Mastodon now under the So Much Pingle handle. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourselves and don't forget to hurt better. 